what's up fam today you guys get me Aaliyah and today I have a very exciting episode for you guys at least it's exciting for me because this is the moment I've been waiting for my entire life and that is that I finally matched for residency so I am really really excited to talk about that experience with you guys I matched in pediatrics so I can't wait to get into the nitty-gritty details and just have a solo episode dedicated to that today um pretty much I'd like to just kind of start off this intro with telling you guys about my match and how it went all thanks be to the great god that I am matched in pediatrics and I will be staying in my home state of Florida I was super nervous about matching out of state that is very common when it comes to residencies because it's just very competitive to match to begin with and then on top of that you really want to match in a program that you like not only did I match in an amazing phenomenal hospital that is not just very culturally diverse and also very non-toxic but also it is just a pinnacle of education and prestige and I am just so honored to be joining the ranks to train there and I'm just still in shock that I matched here in Florida because I'm born and raised in Florida. I wanted to stay in Florida and stay close to my family, friends, and loved ones and I didn't want to have to go out of state so I cannot complain. I am ecstatic. I don't even know what to say. And I know it might come off as me just bathing in the glory of all of this, but it surely did not come without a lot of sacrifice and effort and blood, sweat, and tears. And that's what this episode is going to be about. Just talking about how I got here, what I did to get here. Um, so don't worry, we'll be getting into all of that. But before we get started, don't forget to check us out on Brown Girl White Coat on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you guys can check out my Instagram at Medical Glam. And let's go ahead and jump into the fun stuff. All right, so seeing as this is a solo episode, we are not going to be doing any segments or anything like that. It's going to be pretty casual, just a sit down chatty episode. I have a couple of key points I want to talk about today and uh, pretty much just share my experience. So I told you guys a little bit about the match experience and how that went for me, so I'm really, really happy about that. But I wanted to spend the good chunk of this episode talking about why I ended up choosing pediatrics and my experience on clinicals with pediatrics and maybe dive a little bit into my experience on the adult rotations and how I ended up choosing a field where I'm only caring for those between the ages of newborn to 17 So yeah, so to begin, I didn't really wake up when I was 10 years old and think I was going to be a pediatrician. The idea danced in my head a little bit. I knew I wanted to be a doctor. Sometimes I thought pediatrician, then sometimes I thought dermatology, and then sometimes I thought family medicine. And throughout medical school, I was kind of just flip-flopping, and I had no idea what I was going to end up doing. I do clearly remember, though, first and second year, I was not one of those medical students that was like hardcore peds, which is funny that that, you know is the case because I ended up being a crazy peds person in third and fourth year, but genuinely I did not plan to do pediatrics. The moment that I think I sat back and was like, you know what, I think peds is going to be the one. 
uh, was during our pediatrics block. So the way our school taught pediatrics was its own separate block. I don't know, it was a few months and we did nothing but pediatrics courses. And as we were going through that and learning pediatric pathology, I was like, this is fun. Like, I'm enjoying this. And so the pathology was number one on top of my list. I liked the pathology. I am not a very internal medicine prone person. Um, I don't really care for the pathology that you see all the time in internal medicine and mostly the adult driven pathology. Um, there's going to be overlap, right? Because between kids and adults, the only difference is age, right? They're both human beings. And so I'm not ignorant to that. But the pathology that you see in pediatrics is just different. You know, like even when you see an adult patient and they have chest pain, number one on the differential, number one that you're thinking is, is an MI, is a heart attack. But that's just not on your differential for children. And it's it's definitely, I would say, like very low on the differential, but it's almost zero to none. And I remember on one of my auditions, um, audition rotations in fourth year, I was working with a newly graduated pediatric cardiologist at the University of Florida in Gainesville. And that woman, oh my God, she loved teaching. And she just sat every day with me and just taught me so much. And the first thing she asked me, I think, on the day that I was with her was, what's the percent that a child coming in with chest pain has an MI? And I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know, 10%? She was like, less than 1%. And it, that stuck with me. I'm like, wow, okay, pediatric pathology, completely different. Um, and then you go down the list of what is chest pain in a, in a kid, right? I mean, you're thinking things more like pericarditis or even like myocarditis or even MSK, growing pains, all kinds of things that don't come to you on the top of your differential list for an adult, right? First thing you're thinking of in your adult patients is, am I? Let's rule that out first, right? So, um, yeah, so I love the pathology. That was what drew me. I don't really know how else to explain it besides the fact that I liked it. Another thing about pediatrics is they're just a hopeful field. Uh, I can't tell you how on my rotations in internal medicine and different specialties, when you see adults, sometimes it's almost like you can, obviously you can help them, right? So many people do internal medicine, but there is just this feeling in the back of your head, like if this adult doesn't change their ways, they're not really going to get better. Um, and a lot of outcomes are worse in adults. Peds is a very hopeful field. I did a month of pediatric hematology oncology in Broward in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and it was just an insanely amazing month because you look at these kids and you're like, wow, they have full-blown cancer, right? Like, I mean, there it's just, it's, it's, it's cancer, but you almost expect them to, to make it you're just like, nah, they're going to make it. Like, there's just no way they don't. So PEDS is a very optimistic, hopeful field. You feel like you're really giving these kids a shot at a full, long lifespan with an increased quality of life. And at least you shoot for that and you pray for that, you know. And then there's always the social aspects in PEDS, right? So this is the third thing that I think of when, when it comes to pediatrics. And it's kind of what you hear of all the time with people when you tell them you're doing pediatrics they're like bless your heart like how are you going to deal with the families like the parents right and that was actually one of the reasons I chose peds it was because of that not in spite of that so I wanted to have that responsibility to 
be there for the guardians and the parents. And, and at least with me, you know, my experience with the, with the parents, there is always going to be a certain level of parents who are just very ungrateful and very unhappy. But for the most part, they're, they're afraid and they just want their kid to be okay. And I know one day I'm going to be a mom and I'm going to be sitting there at the side of the bed if my kid is sick, God forbid, and I am going to grill every resident and doctor that walks in the room. And I think if you have that level in your heart, that level of empathy that you can carry where you can truly put yourself in the feet of other people, that is just a gift from God. Like don't lose that gift and don't throw it away. And a lot of times you'll hear people say like, oh, you got to deal with the parents and peds. And my question is, do you think you don't have to deal with family members in internal medicine or emergency medicine or surgery? I mean, you always deal with family members and loved ones in any aspect of medicine. I know it's a little bit more on a greater scale with children because these parents are probably a little bit more in overdrive. But you know, even when I was on my internal medicine rotation, there was always a daughter or a son or a grandparent or someone at the bedside, a friend that is always grilling you with questions and concerns. And so that's just something that comes with medicine, empathy, compassion, and sitting down and listening to your patients and their families, super vital and important. So I completely want that responsibility and I feel equipped to have that responsibility. I have always been someone who has a lot of insight and I'm not trying to, you know, toot my own horn here, I promise, but I've just been someone who's always been able to really see from someone else's perspective or at least try to. And so I'm not the type of person that would be like this freaking woman here over here yelling at me. I'm over here trying to take care of your kid. Like you try, right? You try to listen and there's always going to be people always. And I'm telling you right now, there's always going to be people that are just going to give you a hard time. You're probably going to do your best. You're going to be empathetic. You're going to sit and you're going to listen and you're going to break your back trying to make sure everything and all their needs are met and you're still not going to meet their needs. And that's okay. That's not your job. Your job is to do your best, listen, be caring, empathetic, do the work, take care of that damn kid, and go home. And that's it. And that is all I, I want to do. And that's the only responsibility I have. And I am totally ready and equipped to take that on. So those are really the biggest reasons I chose peas in the end is those three reasons. You know, the pathology, the crazy optimism and hope in the field. And then three, I want to have the responsibility to take care of those family members and the parents that are concerned for their child. So moving on. <laughs> um, okay. So let me tell you a little bit about my clinical experiences on pediatrics. So um, for those that don't know, um, I was doing pediatrics right when COVID hit us. So I was doing inpatient pediatrics right when all of this was starting to go to hell, right? So it was in February. So we all know that quarantine happened in March super abruptly. So things were just starting to unfold in February. And I remember we had a patient who, I'm going to leave out all the details, but I did a case report on this because we thought the patient had COVID. Obviously, we didn't know anything about COVID at the time, so we couldn't really tell what this guy had, but we were pretty sure this this kid had COVID due to travel history and things like that. Um, we ended up finding out it was completely not COVID, but I remember like thinking, oh my God, this is like not a big deal. Like we're not going to have any issues with COVID. Like we're fine. And sure enough, I went right into my outpatient experience in pediatrics not even a week into that we got pulled out of rotations and I got sent home and from there I was kind of sad and depressed I was like oh my god I don't have any pediatric training except for like the two weeks that I was on inpatient 
and it's a whole nother world, a whole nother world than internal medicine. Like there's so much different things you need to know. The presentations and chart prepping and things like that are for the most part the same, but um, there's things in pediatrics you just don't do in adult medicine. And I really wanted to catch those little details and I wanted to be more prepared for my residency. So anyways, forward through, I tried to get audition rotations in pediatrics because, you know, I, I needed pediatric training. Um, and I was so blessed to have gotten two elective rotations that I told you about earlier. So I did an ambulatory pediatric rotation. So I did a ton of subspecialty rotations in UF Gainesville. And then I did Broward Health uh, Hematology Oncology. And that was a crazy, I mean, they're both crazy, amazing months. Like they were just phenomenal. I learned so much. I'm so grateful that I got two months of extra training because my core training was just not sufficient. Like it was not enough. I got pulled out way too early, did not really learn much. So that was great. You know, until I start residency, I feel like I need to brush up on my peds because I haven't seen a pediatric patient since, let's see, November? Is that when I finished in Broward? I think it was November. So it's been a minute. So I need to really sit back and brush up on my pediatric material. I'm definitely going to soak up every last minute of freedom. Trust me, I'm not going to be sitting and going crazy studying. But now that I am officially a higher doctor, I need to be prepared and I need to do some reading and not be a total clueless, oblivious resident. So even if I just get in an hour every day from now until I start, like that's nothing and I can easily do that and it'll just make me all the better prepared. So um, yeah, I'm not going to go crazy. Don't don't get it twisted, but I'm definitely going to try to do my part and honor this amazing program that took me in under their wing and make them proud. So all right, so that was that. Um, the next thing I want to talk to you guys a little bit about is how to succeed in matching in pediatrics. So if any of you are listening and you want to match into a pediatric residency, what you need to do. So let's just get it out of the way and get the elephant in the room out of the way. Pediatrics is not the most competitive field, but um, it depends where you want to go. So if you just want to be a pediatrician, you don't care if you end up in Nebraska, right? then you're probably going to match, right? Because as long as you don't really have a ton of red flags on your application, it's a primary care field. It's not orthopedic surgery or dermatology. Like, you're probably going to match. But um, I still would love to give you guys a little bit of advice on how to do it. Now, some people want to match in certain areas, and that was me. So although I did apply broadly, I was, like, pretty desperate to get into Florida. I did not want to have to go outside of Florida. So thank God it worked out for me. But let's just talk a little bit about matching in pediatrics. So pediatrics is not a very, very competitive field, but it's definitely not the easiest to get into. And that's only because there is only like 200 something pediatric residency in the entire United States. And you're applying for those against all the IMGs and USMDs and DOs. So it's a, it's, it's a pretty you know, I wouldn't say it's a hard specialty by any far stretch to get into, but it's not a walk in the park. Like you really do want to try. I will say for me, 
I did not take the USMLE. I am a DO student. I am so like hell-bent on not taking the USMLE because I believe that my Comlex is perfectly sufficient to qualify me as a licensed physician. That's all my degree needs and it's insulting that I should be taking the board exam of an MD student. And I don't even need it to be licensed. I need the complex to be a licensed physician. So it's just pretty insulting. There is not an MD student on the face of this earth that takes the complex. So it's just pretty ridiculous to ask a DO student to take the USMLE. But the way our medical training system is structured, it's very, very upsetting. But there is a big unspoken recommendation and quite honestly, pretty loudly spoken <laughs> recommendation to take USMLE. And the brutal honest truth is, yes, it will open more doors because every program essentially knows what a USMLE score looks like. And now there is a huge shift to understanding the COMLEX score system. So I'm not by any means saying that the COMLEX is misunderstood, but the USMLE is just more recognized Again, pretty upsetting, but anyways, I could do a whole episode on that. <laughs> and you just have to make the decision for yourself. Like, do you want to take the USMLE, put in all the extra money, you know, I wouldn't say you would really need to study extra for it, but you definitely want to make sure if you take the step that you are going to score well on it, because it's only going to hurt you if you don't score well on it. You just have to weigh that, and then you have to think about, like, where do you want to go for residency? If it's a program that you know is very, very heavy on the USMLE, then you probably should take it. If it means that much to you, if there's like a reason, there's some people that want to stay near their spouses or their loved ones or their families and there's certain programs in the area only take USMLE, then consider taking it. I don't want to ever, 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 ever give you guys advice that's going to hurt you. Um, for me, I did only Comlex because again, I found it very insulting, but two, I just didn't want to take double the board exams. I mean, one was already pretty traumatic enough. And also, I knew pediatrics was a pretty DO-friendly field. Primary care in general tends to be a little bit more DO-friendly than spe other specialties. But Florida did have a good chunk of programs that were open to the Comlex and DO students. Now, I will say, out of the 13 programs in Florida, only five interviewed me. So it depends which state you're from. Definitely do your research. Figure out how important the USMLE versus Comlex is for them. But... I do have a feeling if I took the USMLE and did significantly better or did really good on the USMLE that I would probably have gotten more interviews in Florida. So for the record, I will say that just because I have to be very responsible with the advice I give. Um, but I'm still very grateful. And honestly, I would rather match at one of those five places that interviewed me without my USMLE than at the other places that didn't even consider interviewing me because I don't have the USMLE. And I'm not saying that's the only reason they didn't interview me. There's more reasons. It could be like grades and stuff, but like boards are usually the number one thing people filter with. So I'm just happy that I still got a chance here in Florida. Like that is huge, you guys. Like I cannot complain. Um, but yeah, look in the city or the state you want to go to and see those programs in the area. Like, are they USMLE heavy? If they care about USMLE, consider taking it if that's that important to you. If you are just ready to pack your bags, girl or boy, and just move to wherever you get in for peds, then USMLE is a complete waste of your time because you will be fine not having to take um, USMLE, especially if you do well in the complex. 
Um, also, for the record, I applied 84 programs um, and I got 13 interviews. So that's also something to keep in mind that, you know, I didn't take USMLE and that pretty much got me a pretty small percentage of interviews compared to the places I applied to. So just keep these in mind. I'm always going to be very brutally honest with you guys and tell you the real honest truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything, but I was willing to take that chance. So I would just rather interview and end up matching at a place that truly believes in my competence. Like, you guys, I got into a freaking crazy amazing hospital with just a Comlex. What? And my first level one Comlex score was not great by any far stretch. So I am freaking happy, blessed, thankful girl. Mm, I can't even complain. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's number one thing is boards. Uh, consider the USMLE if it is very important to you to get into a program that considers it. Uh, but other than that, if you apply very broadly all over the United States and you have decent scores and a lot of extracurriculars and a good few research projects here and there, you are going to be set for PEDS. Um, another thing with pediatrics, some people ask me, is research important? Um, I don't really know exactly like what program's looking for, but I know for me, I didn't have a ton of research. I only had one case report. I presented it at two different poster um, presentations with the same case report. It was like this baby published situation in like an abstract book at my school. Like it was nothing fancy. Like anyone that submitted it got published. So it wasn't like this crazy, like amazing research that I had under my belt. It was pretty cool case report, <laughs> if I do say so myself. But, um, you know, I think it's definitely, you definitely want to have something to fill that research section on the application for residency on your ERAS application. There's a whole section for research. So I'm sure it wouldn't look great if that section was left empty. So, you know, if you can get in a few clinical case reports here or there, that's really helpful. It doesn't always have to be like a lab research experiment project situation, although that looks really great too. Um, grades, ugh, medical school is one of those things where grades really don't matter that much unless you're going for something super competitive where they need to weed more people out. Um, I had very average, very average grades in, in my med school experience, um, in my first year as medical school. So my GPA was an 84.5, which our school does GPA based on like you literally the average number of your grades, like literally the average. So I don't know what that would equate to in terms of like a three-point situation, but um, it was an 84% average essentially. So I did pretty close between, you know, like Bs. That was like about what I was scoring. So I didn't do horrible, but I did decent. Um, also, I failed a class in medical school. So I failed microbiology. I love how I can just like say all of this freely, even though I kind of said this before multiple times, but now I don't care, bro. Here it is. This is what it is, bro. <laughs> um, I failed a class in, in micro, it was microbiology. It was my first year of medical school. Everyone went on vacation and I had to stay at home crying and studying for this crazy hard microbiology. And it was microbiology and immunology at the time in my school. They finally separated the classes. It was just so hard because I passed every microbiology exam. I just failed immunology. And so I failed the entire course and I had to retake the entire thing. It was just horrible. And it was all of bacteria and all of viruses and all of immunology in one course. I mean, you guys, it was a monster course, a monster course. And it was the worst thing you could fail. But um, I remember I just stowed away in the summer and I was just pretty much miserable to my core studying for that class. And 
you guys, I took it and the remediation course, I didn't even have to remediate first year. Oh my God, thank you, Allah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I got my score on May 25th, my birthday of M1 year. And I had passed the remediation and I was set to start M2 year without a single stop in my schooling, which I was so blessed. And I didn't have a summer that year, but you know what? It is, it's fine. I'm, I'm happy. But I'm sure that was a little bit of a stain on my record. That's, you know, quote, red flag. But again, I, I love stuff like that. Like, I am, give me failure and I will give you a success story. Like, I don't believe in just the flawless road to success. I don't believe in that. I've never seen someone that has earned a spot and just killed it who hasn't struggled or failed their way to get there. So I have no qualms and I am so happy to have lived through the hardships that I did. Again, like I said, complex level one, I didn't score good on it at all. I passed. I'm very grateful for that, but I didn't score great. So, you know, it's little things like that that make you feel like, wow, like, yo, I like freaking did this, right? Um, so that's pretty much a little general description of how I got into pediatrics, you know, very average scores, you know, I did really good on my complex level two, I will give you that I did really well on that. So I'm very happy. Um, so that definitely helps me a little bit. I had really, really strong extracurriculars. I did a lot of extracurricular volunteering, public speaking type of stuff in my first years in medical school. And I even worked and did stuff throughout third year as well. So I have always been active in the community. That's just been something I've done. I've done mentorship all the time. I've done public speaking. And I'm just very passionate about like, community outreach and things like that so that took up like 15 spots like on my application just me explaining all my extracurriculars so I'm sure that helps a little bit so if you're big on doing extracurricular activities just explore those and put them on your application like if you coach soccer put that on your application like put all of that stuff yo like put it all on your application you are unique show off your uniqueness I am telling you you have to show yourself off do not be humble in that application so that is pretty much how I would say to succeed in matching pediatrics. Be yourself. Try to kill your boards to the best of your ability. Do your research on whether or not you should take USMLE. Try to squeeze in some research, also um, actual research, um, so that your application is not empty on the research section. Kill your pediatric rotations and try to get letters of recommendations. I totally forgot to talk about that. So if you can get a couple of pediatricians to really just love you, that will go a far way when you have some good letters of recommendations. So that reminds me, I actually need to email my letter writers and just thank them so much for all of their help. So definitely look out for that as well on your clinical rotations. Just kill the rotation. Put in the effort. Don't be lazy. Work really, really hard. And sure enough, you'll get a letter of recommendation and hopefully it will be a very strong letter that will vouch for you to be a amazing pediatric resident. So anyways, as you can tell, this was a very like jumbled up rambly episode, but that's just what I do. So it is what it is, yo. Sometimes, um... Usually on the episodes with like guests and stuff, I actually have like an outline of what to talk about. So it sounds a little bit more put together, but this is a solo episode and I am still on a high from matching. So I don't even care. It is what it is. Um, I'm just really happy to be sharing this with you guys. Honestly, I am just so happy. So with that being said, um, that is pretty much going to wrap up this episode. 
Um, I just want to thank you guys. You guys have been freaking awesome. And I want to remind you guys that I am on Instagram at medicalglam. No underscores, nothing, just the words medicalglam. And you guys can always hit me up on there for advice. I am going to be free until June. Then I start entering year. I will probably not be as responsive to my messages. But before then, I am there for you guys. Please hit me up. And I have complete intention to keep in touch with you guys. And if you are a mentee, then you get priority to responses. So please always hit me up if you need help with anything. And feel free to message me anytime, you guys. And thank you so much for just sticking with me, listening to me. Thank you so much to Sai for getting me on this podcast to give me a platform to just talk about these things and share my experiences. Thank you for hearing me ramble for like, I don't know, 35 minutes. And thank you to everyone, anyone and everyone who has ever sent me one comment, liked one picture, sent me one DM, just being nice and kind and inspirational. Like, thank you guys so much for just being amazing. I can't wait to share my experience in residency with you guys. You can follow me again, like I said, so you can keep up with all of my experiences in residency. And don't forget to follow us on Brown Girl White Coat Pod at Apple Podcast and Spotify. And yeah, with that, I thank you guys for making this podcast a part of your day wherever you are.